children in the nursery, you can feel free to, to head that direction as well. And uh, after church, we'll probably just take a quick uh, five-minute uh, restroom break, something like that, and you'll come back into the sanctuary and we'll give you some directions. All members have your packets probably already. If you don't, you can, uh, you can get one from Lisa. And um, if, you are, if you're just visiting or if you're, you've been fellowshipping here and you think you'd like to sit in, feel free. You can sit in uh, on the business meeting and uh, <clears throat> listen to what the Lord is doing and see what's happening, you're more than welcome to do that uh, as well. We'll be voting on deacons today. We're going to have a, a wonderful deacon board, um, Lord willing. I don't think anyone will be voted out or down. Uh, everybody is, uh, is, been, uh, is well known here and uh, looking forward to that. So, amen. Take your Bibles, if you will. Open them too. And also, before I forget, it's probably a little bit early to do this, but just a little heads up, um, praise the Lord. Pastor Steve had uh, his final uh, checkup and everything, and everything is perfect. Hallelujah. Looks good. But those of you who have been through this process know that he has something to be removed, right? The, uh, the thing. And uh, so that's going to happen sometime in March. So he will be out again for a few weeks in March, but we're just going to believe that he is hopefully going to be back by Easter. He's thinking, hopefully. Um, and we're just going to believe that they, when they do what they need to do, that they will not let the blades slip this time, right? <laughs> Got to love doctors. Thank the Lord for them. But, you know, they are human. <clears throat> so hopefully uh, everything will go fine. We'll keep you posted on that when that will happen, sometime in mid-March, which is like three days away. Hallelujah. We made it through the winter, folks, I think. I'm calling it done, right? Hope I'm not a false prophet. <laughs> Amen. Open your Bibles to Philippians. We are still in Philippians, this wonderful fourth chapter. Uh, heading toward, uh, we talked last week about uh, the first few verses, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and that of course is the keynote verse of this entire letter, and we're moving into some of the most beautiful passages of scripture, verse 8 and following, um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful section of scripture, and uh, so we've been talking about uh, in these past passages, our looking at our walk, how we walk with the Lord, and we've been talking about our worship how we uh, worship, uh, since our names are written in the book of life, and we are all like-minded, we're worshiping together, and so we've talked about our worship, and now we're going to talk about uh, verse uh, 5, and we'll just read verse 5. I, I, I can't get through these couple of verses, so hopefully next week we'll talk about the verse that we have just about all memorized, uh, be anxious for nothing, but verse 5, let your gentleness or moderation be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. What a wonderful little verse, Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness or moderation be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. So we talked about our walk, we talked about our worship, and today we're going to talk about our attitude. How many know it's time for the benediction, right? 
now we're we we all we all know about attitudes and and these all three really work together don't they uh if you're going to be walking with him if you're going to be a worshiper of jesus well that attitude is going to be reflected in that whole thing you it's it all is tied together uh, our attitude is a direct bearing on how we walk how we worship i saw a t-shirt a while back that, that said i do not have an attitude problem you have a problem with my attitude and that's not my problem It'd be nice if it was that simple, but uh, it's, it's not. Um, one, of, one of the key words to define attitude, and in our particular case, moderation. Some of your translations will say moderation. Some will say gentleness. Uh, but the, the key word to define this moderation is calmness, to be calm. It's such a nice word, to be calm. Moderation, calmness. As believers, we really need to be calm now. Moderate, calm, relax, simmer down, rest, wait. I love that scripture. Oh, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Then that first part sounds so nice. Oh, rest in the Lord. Then he has to ruin it and bring up that word patience. But oh, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Calm, rest, Patience. I, I love the, I think I've shared this before, the one uh, Italian phrase, uh, my aunt knows it, my mother knows it, even though she's German, but uh, has lived with it. But I, I love this, it's a dialect phrase, it's embe, embe. I don't even, nobody even knows how to spell it, embe. But it's, it's a thing where if something comes up in someone's life or is there, there's a difficulty, a lot of the Italians just say, well, embe, which is a mixture of que sera, sera, you know, whatever will be, will be, and you can't fight City Hall. Bob, did you say that in, in your neck? See, it's, it's a different dialect. So it was sort of like, hey, well, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you just, you, you, you roll with the punches, you fight through it, you just keep going. And, and so they say, embe, and, and that's true. But for us as believers, though, uh, we can fight City Hall, if you will. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can pray, we can see doors open, we can see bodies healed, we can do all that. But still at the base of it, at the, at the bottom of it, is still that thing of, well, Lord, you're in control, so I'm just going to rest. I'm going to be calm. I'm just going to rest and wait patiently. So we're going to look at three aspects of uh, this in verse, uh, verse 5. Uh, we're going to see the nature of moderation, the advantages of moderation, and the reason for moderation. We see the nature of moderation. That is in the, the first part, gentleness. We're going to see the advantages of moderation because a lot of good things can happen. And then finally, the reason for moderation is the Lord's at hand. The Lord's at hand. So we see those three things. Let's look at the first one, the nature of moderation. Uh, it said the moderation literally means calmness, but the, the actual root in the Greek is to yield, to yield, to yield. Oh boy, we humans just love to yield, don't we? We just love to give up and let the other person win, don't we? <laughs> hey, wait a minute, I thought I'd hear a big amen on that. Oh, we just love it. I was... There's, a two, there's two guys that went out golfing, and Arthur was one of them. He was 80 years old, and he played every day since his retirement, uh, and years and years he loved to play golf. And one day he came home, and he was looking downcast, and he said, that's it. He tells his wife, I'm giving up golf. 
He says, my eyesight has become so bad that once I hit the ball, I just, I can't see where it's going. So the wife says, well, why don't you take my brother with you? My brother, he, uh, he, he can go with you. Um, he, and then Arthur says, yeah, but well, he's 85. What can he do to help? He says, well, he may be 85, but his eyesight is perfect. So he can see where the ball goes. So the next day, Arthur heads off to the golf course with his brother-in-law, tees up, takes a mighty swing. And he says to his brother-in-law, did you see that? And the brother-in-law said, of course I saw it. I, my eyesight is really good. And Arthur says, well, where did it go? And the brother-in-law says, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. So <laughs> there comes that time in life where we need to cry uncle, right? We need to just say, okay, I guess I'm done. I guess I'm done. And really, spiritually speaking, our starting point as believers is really crying uncle, isn't it? It's really when we come into the presence of the Lord and we say, okay, Lord, I give up. I admit I'm a sinner. I admit it's my fault. I confess my sins and I give up. And really every step of the way as believers, this concept of moderation or yieldedness really is saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I may not understand it. It seems confusing to me. I'm bewildered but I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to let you lead. And then also notice that there's the connection to joy too, because he starts with joy. And there's that connection to joy is so important. Sad, bitter, resentful people have a very hard time yielding. They have a very hard time being calm. Very hard time. So moderation in this sense, and, and I'll give you the definition of the words, actually Paul's the only one that uses it, and he only uses it four or five times. Moderation really means gentleness, calmness, good sense. Boy, do we need good sense now in this country and in this world. Calm, gentleness, calmness, good sense, courtesy, and forbearance. I, I love it when I'm out in public and I hold the door open for someone and they say thank you. Isn't that nice? doesn't happen quite as much as it used to, but it's so nice. So nice to hear courtesy nowadays. So, so that's the starting point. It's gentleness, calmness, good sense, courtesy, forbearance in all that we do. There's a really neat parallel in this in 1 Corinthians 6 chapter, and, and you could read it. Uh, Paul had to address the Corinthian church on many issues, and one of them uh, in the 6th chapter was Christians suing each other. They were suing each other, not the world. Uh, there are times that we need to take legal action in the world. We need to sue certain people, especially people living in East Palestine. <laughs> the civil courts are there for that, you know. But the problem that the Corinthian church had was Christians were suing each other over stupid things. I, I, actually, I remember, many, many of you know, my youngest son, Jonathan, uh, years ago, fell out of the car uh, and went through a, a little tough time, and it, my dad was driving, and my dad, uh, you know, seatbelts, are you kidding me? So this was like 32 years ago too, though, but uh, he turned the corner, and uh, Jonathan, of course, being a precocious two- or three-year-old, whatever he was, just decided to open the door and flew out of the car, and my dad being starting to be hard of hearing, Oh, a mile down the road, <laughs> a little bit down the road, my, my, his, his other grandson, my nephew, Debbie's son, said, Uncle, uh, Grandpa, Jonathan fell out of the car. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, everything was okay. I remember Dave Grandi, David and Julie were, were there, and 
David came in to visit him in the hospital. He says, I had to leave because I was going to throw up. He says, I couldn't. It was just all uh, uh, it was ugly. But anyway, uh, 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 why am I saying all this then? He felt, oh. <laughs> so then the, the insurance battles started. Well, your insurance can't cover it. It should be his insurance. Well, no, his insurance coverage should be your insurance. And, and they were going on and on about the bills. And one of the insurance people said to me, you know, the best way to get a settlement here is for you to sue your father. Now, I had that same response. Looking back, we should have sued him for a quarter of a million dollars, gone out to Olive Garden and split it both ways. Sheesh. Where were you? Why wasn't I thinking about that? <laughs> So, but, but that's the problem they were having in Corinth. They were suing each other as Christians. And, and this is what Paul says. This is so wonderful. Let me read it to you from just a verse from the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians in the Message Bible. It's so wonderful. Paul says, I say this as bluntly as I can to wake you up to the stupidity of what you're doing. Is it possible that there isn't one level-headed person among you who can make fair decisions? Here you are taking each other to court before people who don't even believe in God. These court cases are an ugly blot on your community. And then he says this. Wouldn't it be far better to just take it, to let yourselves be wronged and forget it? The <laughs> Got one. It's tough. The calm, moderate person will realize that there are times we need to let go and let God. We need to trust, rest, let yourself be wronged, and move on. I know I cannot just see, but I can hear the hair going up on the back of people's necks right now. I can hear all, all of the hackles going up. We don't want to do that, do we? We want to fight it. There are times it's better just to let the water roll off the back of the duck and just walk away. Say, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> Calm moderation. Calm moderation. So that's, that's what moderation is, I hate to tell you. That's what moderation is. And, and that, I think that is a good definition. Don't sweat it. Just relax. Take it easy. Be calm. Pick your battles. Lose some battles. Don't worry about it. God's going to win the war. Don't worry about it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the advantages of moderation. There are, there are a lot of good advantages if you live a moderate, calm life. Uh, first, calm and calmness and moderation help you keep an even keel. You're not going back and forth like a ship tossed at sea. It helps to, to stop the zigzagging, to stop the undulating. You're not going up and down. You're not going back and forth. You're just, you're just calm. You're just calm. You're waiting for God to do what he's going to do. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, right? Because there's enough evil in today. Stop for a moment and think about him saying that. He knew what was going to happen to him in his tomorrow. He knew that guys were going to pluck his beard out, spit on him, beat him, strip him, drag him. They're going to be nailed to a cross. And he said, relax. <laughs> Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. My goodness. Go crazy just trying to figure out our electric bill. 
And he said, this is what's going to happen to me, but don't. I'm calm. Amazing. No stress. No fear. No worry. Just calm. No bliss chickens running around, right? No sky is falling. No going to hell in a handbasket. We're not going over a cliff. The end is not near. We're not falling apart. But even if it is all of that happening, we can still be calm. Why? Because my God has promised to supply all my need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Last week we talked about it, didn't we? Be of good cheer, Paul says. Be cheerful. Be cheerful. Because, why? Because I'm an overcomer in Christ. I know exactly his thoughts toward me. I know what's going to happen. Uh, Pastor David, talking in Psalm 23, I know that no matter what enemies I'm in, no matter what's happening, he's still going to make a table in the presence of my enemies. No matter what I'm going through, his rod and his staff are always going to be there to comfort me. It doesn't matter. So I can be calm. I can face tomorrow with assurance, knowing those things. As a matter of fact, the, the, uh, the 11th verse, uh, we'll get to it here in the 4th chapter, just a little preview. Look at that 11th verse where Paul says, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how, I know this is not a nice part of the sermon. That's okay. We'll work on it. Don't worry. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be full and learned to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Stop there for a moment. What's the next verse? It's the verse we always quote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I could be in the dungeon and I could still do it because Jesus is strengthening me. I could be sick on my back in bed, but I can do it because Jesus is still making me strong. I can go through any need because Jesus is there. I can go through any difficulty because Jesus is there. I could be in a palace. I could be in a pit. It doesn't matter. Jesus is there and he's doing it all for me. I have learned, Paul said, to do everything. Isn't that a goal for us in 2023? I was talking with someone a while back and, and we were talking about tough times in 2023 and the inflation going up and things like that. And I said, you know, in reality, we all could probably lose 70% of what we have and still be absolutely happy. <laughs> that was a weak amen. But it's true. It's true. And bad. So those are the advantages of moderation. It helps us just keep an even keel. It helps us keep our eyes on Jesus. It helps us to realize, eh, this is a tough time right now, but good things are coming. Or this is a great time, hallelujah, I'm enjoying it. Whatever's ahead, we can do it. It's keeping that calmness. And the third one and the last one is the reason for moderation. The reason for moderation. And Paul says, because the Lord is at hand. Now, this could mean many different things. It could mean that Paul is telling them, you know, don't worry, the second coming of Jesus is coming, so live that way, and that's part of it. Uh, or it could mean other things, because we have to understand that in Scripture and in our lives, there are many comings of Jesus. There was the first coming, which is the most important, tied with the second coming. So we know those two things happened. He came to earth as a baby, born, raised, lived, died, rose from the dead. That's his first coming. Second coming is when he's yet coming in the future. He will bodily return, and he will take us to be with himself, etc., and we'll get new bodies. Hallelujah. How many want your new body? <laughs> 
uh, all the 18 and 19 year olds go, eh, embe. The 60, 70, 80 year olds say, yeah, <laughs> we want our new body. <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, there's the first thing. But there are many arrivals of Jesus in between. In the Old Testament, we have what are called Christophanies, where Jesus would come bodily for a particular reason. Hagar in Genesis 16, Abraham in Genesis 18, Jacob in Genesis 32 when he wrestled, Joshua in Joshua 5, the commander of the army of the Lord stood before him. So those are, those are times when Jesus would come and do a specific thing for a specific person purpose. Then there are also those personal arrivings that we have. If the Lord should tarry, we all have a second coming with Jesus, don't we? When they close the casket lid, Jesus just came and took you. <laughs> the devil didn't take you, thank God. Jesus said, you have an appointment, and I have now taken you. So we have, a, we have a coming for each of us that are there. And then, of course, we have the second coming. But we also have another coming. We have the arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send in my father's, from my Father, that Comforter will be a quote-unquote replacement for me. I will be gone, but he will come, and he is me right now on the earth. So there was an arrival of the Holy Spirit as well. So let me interpret this, the Lord is at hand, by saying that it means the total presence of Jesus all throughout history from the beginning to the very end. He is always at hand. His first coming shows us how we should walk, right? His presence as a human being on this earth demonstrates moderation and calmness and lifestyle, doesn't it? The way he walked. 1 John 2, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 3, verse 5, whoever keeps his word. Verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. So if you want a definition of gentleness and goodness and good sense and courtesy and forbearance, just look at how Jesus walked. Just go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it. You can read exactly how he walked. And then all you need to do is say, Jesus, help me walk the way you walked. And how many know that you'll, you'll get it all done by next week? So his first coming bodily shows us what a true human being is, shows us what the epitome of a God-man is, shows us what the epitome of godliness is all about. So that's how we walk. But we also walk with his current presence, right? Lo, I am with you 23 hours a day. Aren't you glad he's with us that 24th hour? <laughs> Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Where any two or three are gathered in my name, he's there in the midst. So when I concentrate on my walk, I can look at his Holy Spirit and what he's doing right now, right now in our presence. John 17, when he prayed that wonderful high priestly prayer, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but for all those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. That's me. He's praying for us. Isn't that awesome? 
Way back then when he was praying to the Father, he said, I'm praying for all these, but I'm praying for Dave Rizzilli too, that he's going to come around in 1959 and he's going to live till whenever. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for every human being on earth that comes in my name. Wonderful. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be also one in us. And the glory you gave me, figure this one out. The glory you gave me, I have given them. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, folks. <laughs> I'm so glad we have it, whatever it is and whatever it means, we got it. The glory I, you've given me, I have given them that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. Why? Because they're walking like I walked and I'm teaching them to walk more and as they read the word, they understand more. They tune their minds and their hearts and their ears to what the word says. They deny their flesh. They deny the carnal aspects of the world and they do what I tell them to do. So the question is, how do we walk among men right now? Just like Jesus did when he was on the earth. No panic, no fear, all love, all patience, all perseverance, all in Jesus. Wow. That's a goal. That's a goal. That's a goal, believe me, for all of us. We're not there, but that's a goal. Paul even clearly says it in the verses before, right? Not that I have already apprehended. <laughs> But I'm being apprehended, and I'm working on it. So because he's here right now, he didn't have to go anywhere. His spirit is here. We can have that same moderation. So we look at his life when he was on the earth. We look at his presence right now on the earth. And, hallelujah, we look forward to the second coming, which is going to come at some point in our history. How, and, and I love the way Peter puts it then. Peter, Peter asks the question that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The heavens will pass away, etc. And he says, since all these things will be dissolved, how should we then live? We need to live holy, upright, and just life. Knowing that it's all passing away and becoming a new heaven and a new earth. That's how we ought to live. I love, I love the story, I think I told you before, of this gal down front here, my mother. And uh, the one time when she was young, I think you listened to the radio. Is that what it was? She listened to some kind of, huh? No television back then. She listened to some kind of 40s hip-hop kind of music, right? So some, you know, something, uh, Glenn Miller. She was probably listening to Glenn Miller. Big band. She was listening to some big band thing. And after she was done, she got so convicted by the Holy Spirit, she thought she missed the rapture. So she, she knew this one old godly woman in church. So she called her up on the phone. And as soon as the lady answered, she hung up. Because she thought, okay, well, the rapture didn't come. <laughs> that was a sin to listen to Glenn Miller or, uh, yeah, Benny Goodman or something. That was definitely a sin. Oh, Lord, would we love our younger generation to listen to Benny Goodman right now and Frank Sinatra. Wouldn't it just be wonderful <laughs> instead of what they're listening to? But, see... The, the good part of that is true. We are always walking in the light of 
Jesus, you're coming back, and I want to be ready. I don't want to be one of those foolish virgins that doesn't have my oil, oil filled, that has, doesn't have my wick trimmed. I don't want to be one of those. I want to be ready for your second coming. I want to live the way I ought to live. I want to bear with each other. I want to love one another. I want to persevere through this thing so, so that when you come back, then I, then I will know. I will know that I've been with you. So it's the whole broad spectrum. If we're going to live our lives in moderation, if we're going to live our lives in calmness, if we're going to live our lives blessing other people, we've got to remember, just as Paul said just a few verses before, our citizenship is in heaven. We don't belong down here. Our citizenship is moving toward a new heaven and a new earth. And in that regard, I need to live my, li- my life not as an American or, or a French person or a German person or whatever. I don't need to live my life like a black person or a white person or a Hispanic. I need to live my life like, like a believer in Jesus Christ because that's what my citizenship is. All those other things apply, of course. But I need to live my life like a citizen of the kingdom of God. And one of the first keynotes that Paul brings up is relax calm, peace. He's got it all under control. Always have and always will. So our goal is to be like him in all the ways that we know him. The Jesus that walked the same perverted, dirty streets that we walked. The Jesus that wept over death. The Jesus that celebrated at a wedding. The Jesus that held children on his lap. The Jesus that forgave the vilest sinners. The Jesus that repulsed the arrogant self-righteous. The Jesus that heard the voice of the Father and did what he said. The Jesus that suffered. The Jesus that mourned. The Jesus that struggled with his flesh but overcame by the power of the Spirit. The Jesus that sweat drops of blood but was raised glorified for our redemption. And now we have the Holy Spirit, the gentle dove that guides us, the soft voice of conviction that leads us. The one voice that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. The fire that descends and purifies us. And always remembering that he's coming back bodily someday to bring us to be with himself. And you know what the word says. When he comes back, he has one question. He says, will I find faith on the earth? Not success. Not some hoop-de-doo Christian running around, not some perfect Christian, not some sinless person. He says, all I want to know is, when I come back, will I find people resting in faith, calmly resting in my strength, resting in my provision, resting in my joy, resting in my salvation, resting in my healing? That's our goal, folks to follow the Jesus that's been here since the beginning of time and will be there at the end and to find our gentleness and our calmness and our moderation in him because he is at hand. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much for those verses that Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Wow, what a blessing. What a blessing to know that he didn't just come and and say, yeah, sure, I'll die for you and I'll save you from your sins, but then I'm out of here, never to be seen again. Work it out on your own. No. Never leave us. Never forsake us. Always be with us. What a blessing. And that helps us, Father, to to keep our eyes of faith tuned to you. 
not to the circumstances of the world, not to the bad things that are happening or the good things that are happening. We, we, we don't get overexcited when the bank account is full. We don't get depressed when the bank account's empty. We just keep our eyes on you because you'll feed us every day what we need. We rest in you and wait patiently for you. And that helps us to moderate our lives in these last days. We thank you for that. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's Jesus first, Jesus now, and it'll always be Jesus. Someday we will stand before you. And we want to be just as calm then as we are now. We want to be resting then too. We thank you for it, Father, and we know you're going to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, isn't it wonderful to be around a calm person? Uh... My, my mother has, on the German side, uh, I think maybe others, you have this word, she would always call them idiots. <laughs> Don't be a fussing idiot. Calm. When there's, when there's a bad thing that happens, it's so nice when you're around somebody that's calm. And, and, and you could just re- relax. Okay, good. We, we got, okay, good. That's right. But fussing and confusion, oh, we don't want it. We want rest. Amen? Let's stand into his presence. We look forward to a wonderful time together as we go over last year's blessings and look forward to what he has for us. And as I say, if you want to stay, you're more than welcome to stay for the fellowship and what have you. Uh, Those of you who are members and everything, I guess we'll be gathering down here on this side. So go ahead, take a restroom break and come back and we will have our service together. Amen. God bless you as you go in Jesus name.